Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today, finishing off our series, The Struggle Israel, um, we're talking about a couple of things. So first off, as we go through this series, we've been following the story of a guy called Jacob and his life and how he wrestled with God and how he had questions over his identity. He was born a certain way, clinging on to his brother's heel. That kind of summed up his whole life, that he spent his whole life as a dodgy guy, wrestling with people, trying to get his own way. And actually, so often in life, we wrestle with that question, can I be more than I am? Am I restricted to the limitations of of what's happened to me, what people have done to me, what I've done myself? Um, Am I confined to this or can I be more than I am? So one of the examples of that is a few years ago, I got to do like a pastoral skit with um, Spencer Matthews from Made in Chelsea. Um, I was like his pastor and I was meant to help him help cure him of his wicked ways and it was really banter and it was really good funny and the, the scene never got used which was devastating for me because it had been really really cool but I got to meet him one of the things I saw was that on TV I'd seen him on TV and I was like man this guy is the antichrist jeez the way he treats people he just defecates on people left right and center hanging out with him I was like man this guy's a really nice guy and then when it came to shooting and filming in between takes one of the things he turns to me and goes oh great back into character and I was like wow and I started thinking about that, and he was a really rich guy, had loads of money, good-looking guy, pretty cool, all going for him. But the one thing he didn't have was fame. And it's like he became an absolute douche for fame. And now he's stuck with a label that he can't just get rid of like that. Can he ever be more? Can we ever be more with the labels that we get stuck with? For Jacob, that was something he wrestled with. So sometimes we're wrestling with ourselves. Sometimes in life you're wrestling with yourself. Sometimes I I need to wrestle with myself because the biggest problem in a situation or a scenario is me. That's reality, that's true. And sometimes you and I don't appreciate how much of a cap and a lid we are on our lives because we don't wrestle with ourselves and get ourselves out of the way. Sometimes you gotta wrestle with yourself. Other times, it's others. It's other people, like, just being real. Sometimes it's not me. Sometimes you've got a boss over you who's just an absolute loser and they are just mistreating you, favoring everyone else and you don't know why and you can't put your finger on it and it's going on and on and on. Sometimes you're in a friendship circle and there's someone who just gives you no ratings and uses you to climb up the friendship circle by just cussing you out constantly. Sometimes it's a relationship and you're with someone and they're just using you for something. Sometimes you've got to struggle with others. It's not always just about struggling with yourself. So Jacob had been someone who struggled with others. He's been someone who struggles with himself. But the cool thing about Jacob is that he wrestled with God. And one of the things I found is I found that often when I'm wrestling with myself and trying to bring about a change in my life, it's just not quite clicking. It's just not clicking, I'm just not winning, I'm not getting anywhere. And then other times and then I go, okay, well maybe it's not me, maybe it's someone else, maybe it's someone around my life and I start kind of wrestling with that situation, trying to deal with that and I'm like, oh man, this isn't isn't changing, I'm not getting any breakthrough, this isn't changing, this isn't switching up, this isn't, mm, I'm kind of powerless in this scenario. And then what I find is sometimes I start wrestling with God and everything changes. Because as I wrestle with God, if, I, if my issue is that I need to fight with myself, but I just feel like I can't do it, when I wrestle with God, I start to find out my true identity. It's only when I wrestle with God, I start to see who I really am supposed to be. Because I start to see who He is, and I start to realize I'm in His image, and I'm like Him, 
And then all of a sudden, my whole attitude and the whole way I see everything changes. Sometimes I'm grieving because someone, someone's died and it really hurts and that's all you can see. But then as I wrestle with God, I, I start to see things differently. Sometimes it, it's someone else in my life and they're causing me problems. And you know what? I can't change them. I have no power over that person. I will never be able to change them. I can spend all my energy trying to influence and manipulate that person. Getting nowhere. They will do what they are going to do. But when I wrestle with God, I start to have a different heart for that person because I start to see other people how God sees other people. So sometimes it's like, man, I'm wrestling myself. Other times I'm wrestling with other people. But ultimately, even in those two scenarios, getting the win isn't always guaranteed. What is guaranteed is that sometimes when I wrestle with God, He will bring about the change in me and how I deal with myself and how I deal with others that I find liberating. But then there's another category which is not in Jacob's story, which is like this ultimate curveball, which is why it's definitely not in the book, which Paul talks about. And he says that I do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but the powers and the principalities in the heavenly places. There's this idea that sometimes what you have going on isn't the game changer. Sometimes what you have going on isn't able to change a scenario. Sometimes there's something else at work that is holding you back, holding you down, that isn't within the confines of this realm. You can't just look at it and go, oh, it's me, I've been an idiot. You can't just look and go, oh, it's Dave, what a douche. Dave ruining my life again. You're like, I have no idea what this is. And Paul says, man, you know what? Sometimes the situations you go through, you can't just win it by just wrestling with yourself. You can't just win it by wrestling with other people. You can't just even win it necessarily by just wrestling with God, but you've got to fight with the, the, the powers, the, the powers and the principalities behind it, the, the spiritual forces. And you know what, for me, that's a scary kind of thing if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus has said, I have given you authority. And he's given us authority. And actually sometimes we need to switch between these things. And I just want to encourage you guys this morning that actually these four things in pretty much every scenario will do you good. Sometimes you need to check yourself first, check yourself before you wreck yourself. You know, do I need to wrestle with me through this? Other times you just be like, oh, is this other people? See, most people just go, it's other people. They just start with this other people. Never start with this other people. Always start with, is it me? Always start there. Because people who start with, is it other people, just go, it's other people. And they never move on to the other one. Do you know what I mean? And they just go, oh, it's other people, what can I do, what can I do? Start with, is it me? Wrestle with yourself. Wrestle with others, wrestle with God. And then if you have to, man, you have to go full Wakanda and start wrestling with the powers and principalities in the heavens. So if you're doing one, it doesn't work out, just move on to the next. But today I want to talk about another guy in the New Testament who's just like Jacob. He's not unique in this. There's a few people in the Bible that God gives a different name to. But today we're going to be looking at the story of Peter. In John chapter 1, I'm going to read a few different accounts of a similar kind of different kind of moments in Peter's life. John chapter 1 verse 35 the next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. That's John the Baptist throwing down. Love that. The two disciples heard him saying this. They followed Jesus. Two disciples of John. Ditch John. Wow, he's the Lamb of God. I'm done with this guy. No more side dishes for me, I guess. And then Jesus turned and saw them following and said, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and you will see. 
So they came, saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. So Andrew, I love Andrew, because Andrew was John's disciple. So John is this guy preparing the way of the Lord, and Andrew is about that life, because he was already on it from day before the Messiah even gets here. He's looking for the Messiah, and he's following the guy who apparently is the layup for the Messiah. So Andrew is just such an awesome, awesome, awesome guy. So he was Simon Peter's brother, Simon Peter. So Simon, they're throwing in the Peter for what's about to kind of go down. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And then Luke 5 has a completely different way of looking at a few things. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by uh, the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon said, Master, we toiled all night when you're supposed to do this and took nothing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners to come in the other boat and help them. And they came and they filled both boats, so they began to sink. But when Peter, Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything, their biggest ever catch, and followed him. I love it. I love it because in the midst of this story, it's the same thing with Jacob. There's a wrestling thing going on. It's wrestling with who you are, wrestling with yourself and your identity. Peter's life as a fisherman would have grown up as a Jewish lad. He'd have had a Jewish education. And at some stage along the way, he'd have been told, ah, you failed. Sorry, you failed your exams. Go learn your father's trade. And so Peter ends up being a fisherman. That's why he's a fisherman. He tried to be a rabbi. He tried to be a teacher. He tried to be a social innovator within the Jewish society. That was the goals. That was the life dreams. That was the life goals, was to be like that. Peter along the way, as a kid, had got told, you're not good enough. Go away. That's what happened. And that's how he ends up being a fisherman. Now, in, in the previous chapter before, it says that Peter, um, Jesus said, that's it. Just looks at him. And in this moment, tells Peter, Simon, he's going to be called Peter. In other accounts, it's like, that's it, come follow me. And they just drop everything and they go. And this one is a bit different. And sometimes people talk about different conflicts between the passages. But actually, I think from the writer's perspective, there's a lot of things they take for granted. I think actually the first time Jesus sees him and meets him, I think over a period of time, which is why he just ends up in his boat, because like he's known him a few times. He's chatted to him a few times. And earlier on, he's seen him and gone like, you know what, man, Simon, you're son of John, but I see, I see Peter in you. I see a rock in you. You know, other people haven't seen it. Other people have looked to you and said, you're not strong enough, you're not good enough, you're not cut out for this, but I see something different. I see, I see that you are cut out to be so much more than what everyone else says you are. I see you as this. And he's hearing it, and then this time he's in the boat, and Jesus says, hey, put out for a catch. And Simon goes, master. So he's paying homage to him, but he goes, we kind of did this all night, which is when you're supposed to do this, and we got nothing. Peter's wrestling. He doesn't just leave it at that statement. 
because you say so. Because you say so, I'll do this. Man, let me tell you, one of the greatest things about wrestling with God is you can be so certain and so set in your ways, so stuck in how you see the world, so stuck in everything, that you are just banking on everything you know. That's conventional wisdom. And actually God calls us to trust Him and His wisdom, which is not conventional. And when we bank our lives and trust on Him and wrestle with ourselves and move past ourselves to trusting in Him, we allow ourselves to be positioned where no one else is. We allow ourselves to position ourselves where no one else is because everyone else is banking on the conventional wisdom. And we step out in faith and we trust in what He's saying and Peter ends up with this catch. And when Peter ends up with this catch, He's not this guy who's completely gassed up. He's a guy still wrestling. He's a guy still in turmoil. He's a guy still getting over his past hurts and his failures and his rejections. And at this point, he just wants to bring that up because this is bringing out stuff in him that is just so messed up. And he's just like, just leave, just go. I'm a sinner. You don't understand. You're using my boat. You're here. You want me to come follow you. You want me to be with you. You want me to be part of this movement. But I'm a sinful man. You just need to go. You, you need to, Will Young, I guess you better leave right now, man. You just get out of the boat. Just, just go. And then Jesus doesn't go, oh, you're a sinner. Oh, snap. Dang, sorry, I didn't know that. Thanks for the heads up. I'll go find someone else now. He, he completely embraces it. He doesn't go, no, that's not true. No, 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 you're a good guy, Pete. You're a nice guy. He goes, you're not going to be catching fish anymore. You're going to be a fisher of men. Do not be afraid. From now on, you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Matthew 16, verse 13. Now when Jesus had come into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. Man, he told him, I see Peter in you all that time ago. But in this moment, Peter's just switched over. Peter's finished wrestling with kind of who he is in this area. And he's moving to a whole different level in his relationship with God. And at this point, he just makes this confession of who he is. And Jesus, at this point, it's no longer like, like, ah, oh, you're this, but ah, oh, you're that. It's now, this is the moment you're it. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Gehenna shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one he was the Christ. Man, sometimes these things just serve as a reminder just before a key moment of transformation is coming. I love it how Jesus kind of gives him this heads up. This is what I see in you. And you know what? So often in life, what happens is God starts to put in your heart something for who you're supposed to be, something you're supposed to do. Sometimes as you're a kid and as you're growing up, sometimes you're like, ah, oh, man, I'm not too sure about that anymore. Sometimes someone comes out and tells you the same way they told Peter. Hey, you're right. Sometimes someone comes out and tells you the same way they told Peter that, you know what? You just don't cut it. You're not good enough. You need to think about something else, man. You're never going to be cut out for that. Look at you. You're a hot mess. You know what I mean? If you haven't had that said to you, nice one. You've lived a pretty cushy life. Uh, if you haven't had someone, like even as a kid, like pick, been picked last for something once, <laughs> you have, man, you've got a lottery ticket going on right now, man. Um, it happens. 
Uh, and these things kind of serve a reminder. And you know what? I believe, I honestly believe that true of, the same thing is true in this story is true of us. I think the same thing is true of Jacob is true of us. He wrestled with God and he was a heel grabber. He was a guy who wrestled with people and he became Israel, one who wrestled with God and prevailed. He became someone who ended up being the foundation of a nation that was called to be outward focused but somewhere lost its way and became very inward focused. And the same thing is what happens with Peter. There's two things Jesus says about him, that you are this, I see this. There's two things that he calls him to be different. The first thing is he says, man, people say like, oh, you're not good enough, you're not strong enough, you're not this, you're not that, you're not good enough. You're right off. You're a rock. Dude, you are solid. You are solid. And I believe that God is calling each and every one of us to be solid. That we may feel a bit weak, we may feel a bit woozy, like we can be blown and tossed and turned, a bit like Peter was. Jesus one time said, man, Satan's trying to sift you like wheat, but I prayed for you. I prayed for you. And it sees Peter through. And I believe the same for you and I. The second thing that Jesus sees in Peter and speaks into Peter is the same thing. I believe this morning God is speaking into every single one of us. Peter's thing was, man, I'm a sinner. And if you don't feel that way, Hashtag you're confused. You can chat to me afterwards about it if you want. Everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. And so that's Peter's hang up that I'm this. Jesus says, I'll make you something else. He says, I'll make you a fisher of men. Well, today is the Sunday before Easter. And so I have a special gift that I want to give to everybody who's here today. And it's a gift that I think is really, really important. I believe it's really powerful. I believe it's really awesome. And... I believe God's going to use it. So it's not just like, a, oh, City Hill, we're doing a giveaway. The fun giveaway is kind of next week. But this week, we've got a really important giveaway that I want to give away to you guys. So I did a Donald Trump. I ordered something from China. Man, that guy, man, the amount of times he says China is funny. China, 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 China. At City Hill, we have a partnership in China. No, I ordered these on Alibaba. I think they were made in China. Right, and... Um, I want to give every single one of you guys this. This is going to be something that's going to stick around. This is something we're going to do often. And we're going to give to people when they become a part of City Hill. So like our, our branding, monochrome, black and white. So the band, the reason it's black and white isn't just our branding. I mean, that is a pretty cool reason alone for it to be like that. But it's because I believe that God calls people out of darkness into light. And this serves as a reminder. And the key thing about this, which is why I had these made in China, is on the bracelet, what we have, if I can even get this one off, there we go, thank you Jesus, is a fish hook, a fish hook. So the reason we have these is because you see so often we go through our lives and man, I've done consultancy for other churches, I've done work to different churches, I've been a youth pastor, done a few different things, done a few different ministry things and everywhere I go, I hear the same thing. I hear, we want young people. And I sit through the service and I'm like, you don't want any young people. You don't. You're lying. Not just to me, to yourselves and to God, because there was nothing in that service for any young person. No young language, no young anything. Mm, you don't want young people. You want young people to go in a time machine and come out like you. So they don't want young people. Then I hear other people saying, the other thing they always want, man, we want to we wanna see people, we want to share the gospel, we want to we wanna share Jesus, we want to we wanna see people kind of come to faith. And I look at the service and I'm like, no, you don't. Like, no, you don't. We do. And so we've got this reminder for every single one of us 
And the thing I love about it is I was wearing it this week because it, it came a few days early. And I was, I was with Eden. I think Eden's got hers at home. And we, we were out and about town kind of wearing these. And the cool thing was that it served as a reminder that when I was out and about chatting to people, that actually I'm not just out and about going Morrison's for my, my weekly shop. I'm, I've picked the only one, like we've had, got two at home and they're both so easy. I picked the one on the Sunday that's like, no, I won't go on. <laughs> I won't go on, I'm gonna make you look like a failure. There we go. The cool thing is that it reminds me I'm fishing. I'm fishing, I'm fishing. When I walk past someone, when I'm sitting having coffee, when I'm chatting to the baristas, because I work out of coffee shop my laptop most days, I'm chatting with different people. I'm fishing, man. I'm fishing, that's what I am, that's what I do. People ask me, what do you do? I'm a fisherman. Really? Yeah, I fish for you. <laughs> no, I don't feel like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's what we're called to be. So today I'm gonna end with that, and I'm gonna go around and give these to everybody, but I'm just gonna pray for us first, because we need to connect with God. Father, I thank you that in Peter's story, people had spoken one word over him, but you spoke a different word. I thank you that others had said that he was useless and he didn't cut the grade, but you said, no, man, you're a rock. And I'm gonna build something great upon that rock, upon the rock of that faith, that confession, upon people like you, people that others have written off that I'm gonna do a work in. Man, you're a rock. I thank you, God, that you also looked at him and said, dude, you've been catching fish. It's time to catch people. I think so often, God, we, we talk about, as Christians about, yeah, man, evangelism matters, but we're not, it's not too much of a priority. I pray this week, especially, Lord, as it comes up to resurrection, as we wear these, Lord, we will remember we're fishing. We're fishing, especially this week when people will say yes to a church invite, especially this week as people will be open to have conversations about Easter and what it means to us. We don't even need to tell people what it needs to mean for them. Just say what it means for us. I pray this week you give us opportunities to share. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd be a, anoint us, that you would speak through us, Lord, in the same way you spoke through Peter at Pentecost and people came to faith. We pray that we would not be people who just wrestle with God for ourselves, but that we wrestle with you for others. And that when we wrestle with others, it's with the view that we're out fishing. We're not out to beat nobody down. We're out to see people restored, reconciled, and redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. London.